guys. Game week on High Motor by BetMGM, Andrew Doughty and Chase Kitty. This is the Monday episode of College Football Week Zero. Nebraska, Illinois coming on Saturday. Hawaii, UCLA. UTEP, New Mexico State, UConn, Fresno. Southern Utah, San Jose State. We're going to break down those five games on Thursday's episode. Spreads, totals, money lines. We should have some first half numbers as well. Also remember that remember that live betting is available on those games once they kick off on Saturday. Also every other college football game throughout the season. You can follow along on BetMGM.com, the BetMGM Sportsbook app. You can live bet throughout each game of the entire season. On today's episode, though, we are doing predictions. 20 predictions for the college football season. Not the typical stuff like conference champs, Heisman winner, playoff teams, division winners. We'll have a tiny bit of that. Now that I look over my questions, I actually think we only have one of those. We're going to talk about playoff predictions. We have a tiny bit of that, like I said, but mostly off-the-board stuff. The predictions market, I'm sure you would agree with this, is so saturated that we like to do it a little bit differently, starting with this one. Which under 500 team from 2020 is most likely to win 10 games in 2021? Some of these are things we've touched on before, and this is definitely one of them. So I'm not going to go all the way back into it, but Houston is my answer. Uh, it's it's not like it's not totally about me buying them as a real American contender. It's more about hey man, look at the schedule. They don't play Cincinnati. They don't play USF, or they, I'm sorry, they don't play UCF. Uh, there's ten wins on that schedule, and I think they could be sitting there as a potential championship game uh, participant and not actually be all that good. I'm going to go Kentucky. I mean, they have that stretch of Florida and LSU at home, followed by Georgia on the road in three consecutive weeks. Obviously, you got to get one of those. I don't even love that, but I think this is the hardest question that we're probably going to have of these 20. So I think if you're going to say who is the most likely team to win 10 games after going uh, under 500 last year, I think Kentucky was either 4-6 and six or 5-6 and six last year. I think it is Kentucky. The other side of this kind of the team with the with a win total fewer than six that will finish in the top 40. And we're using top 40 pretty loosely here. Whatever metric you want to use. But I think most college football fans know like generally where that top 40 sits. It's kind of like the teams that are receiving votes in the coaches poll and the AP poll, even though we're not like necessarily using that barometer here. But like generally top third of college football. Who's the team with a win total fewer than six that will finish in the top 40 this year? I kind of like Kansas State here. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm right under the number here. It's at five and a half, and I think the over is juiced to 130. So we're we're really on the cusp of not being under six. But it just seems like a natural bounce back spot. This is a, a bet I'm actually going to come in on late. I'm going to post every play that I have so far uh, between this episode dropping and then the Thursday episode. So probably Tuesday. You can look for that on social media. And, and Kansas State just feels like a natural answer here. We believe in what Kleiman does. Uh, they're going to, you know, stop having such sucky uh, health luck in terms of what happened last year. We should see some positive regression this year. Skylar Thompson back. So in general, yeah, I think they could go have like an eight and four, nine and three season. And you know that, you know, we we feel pretty confident that Oklahoma and Iowa State are, are going to be duking it out for the top spot in the Big 12. That third place spot is definitely up for grabs. People like TCU. There's a little bit of buzz about West Virginia, but I kind of like Kansas State to get into that spot. Yeah, I was pretty sure you were going to answer this question with Kansas State. And I also, that's my answer too for everything you just said. I just don't know who the 
third, fourth, fifth best teams are in the Big 12. I think there is room for a team like Kansas State to win some games against decent teams. Because you already said Kansas State, I think you're not going to agree with me, but I think Stanford is a team to watch in this area. I think Arkansas could also do it. Maybe Maryland just because of that offense. A lot of defensive concerns for Maryland, but that could be one of the top 25-ish offenses in college football. I think that will maybe be enough to kind of put them in that fringe conversation, but I do think the answer here uh, is Kansas State. This is a question I'm really intrigued by, one that you put on the list. Which 10-win Power 5 team won't actually be that good? And it's a, I mean, you can clarify the question here because if you're if you're going ten and two or for including a bowl game or conference championship, whatever, like you're some form of good. But which ten win team, like maybe it's more like won't actually be in the real playoff conversation. Is that a better way to frame it? Yeah, because you know, I mean, we we all know how this works. If you're eleven and one, ten and two, you're good at the end of November. It's not just that you're good; you're probably getting like real postseason New Year's Day playoff hype. And I think I'm suggesting that that maybe maybe not every year, but more often than not, there's some team that's like 10 and 2, 9 and 3, 11 and 1 that is really not that good. Like if they had a, a tougher schedule or if they weren't as fortunate, maybe they're more like 8 and 4 and they're solid, but instead they're getting all this 10 win hype that's maybe not totally deserve so that's that's more what i was looking to identify with this question my answer is washington because i think washington could win 10 games here they're not going to play as their schedule sits right now maybe this will change they don't play a team that in my opinion is better than them better than them until they go no excuse me they get oregon at home november 6th they could be 8-0 going into that game i mean yeah you have at michigan you get UCLA at home, whom you're high on. I'm not totally writing off like a loss in Corvallis or a loss at Stanford, but very possible that Washington is 8-0 going to that Oregon game. And then depending on how you feel about Arizona State with all the NCAA stuff, if you actually think they're going to live up to the hype, etc. Like this team could easily go 10-2 and in the regular season. I'm just not sure that Washington is like a top 10-ish team for a P5 team that could go 10-2 and in the regular season. So for me, it's a pretty easy answer. Washington is it. That's a great answer because they have that preseason ranking. So you yeah. know they're already going to start with the cachet of like, oh, yeah, preseason top 25. We know they're good. Uh, I, I went um, I, sort of like the OG 10-win team that's not actually all that good. I'm thinking it's Iowa. Yeah. Uh, I think, look, there's a lot of wins to ha- be had in the Big Ten West, so that's that's for starters. Uh, you get Indiana week one, who I think is good. We've heard me talk about Indiana before, but week one, you never know what's going to happen. And it's just there's a whole lot of, like, Kent State, Colorado State, Maryland, Purdue, Northwestern, Minnesota, Illinois. Like, it's just, you know, th- there's a lot of very winnable games on that schedule. So they could get thrashed by Iowa State and lose some other game, maybe at Wisconsin or something, and be ten and two, and, and you know be be posturing for a New Year's Day game when actually you know it's it's just kind of a classic Iowa team. This feels kind of like Iowa's question. Yeah, the, the, that question should be sponsored by Iowa. A preseason top ten team, use whatever poll you want. I don't care. It's it's all relative. Just generally a top ten team. Which preseason top 10 team is most likely to implode this year? And again, use whatever definition of implode you want, but generally we're saying a team that is going to 
fail miserably to reach the expectations of being a top 10 preseason team? Yeah, so I I really struggled with this one because first of all, I was hoping bouncing around to different polls, maybe I could I could get uh so you know sort of like we talk about shopping at sports books, like maybe I can find a weird poll like a Smith and Schuster that's got some dumb team in the top 10. Uh nope, they all have the same 10 teams just in a slightly different order. So I'm going through the schedules and I think, man, I cannot find just there there are no good answers of like oh yeah actually they might finish 7 and 5 so i kind of went in a weird way here because i i didn't really have another choice and this is what i did i think if you look at alabama's schedule all right there's a chance they could go 11 and 0 and then lose at auburn in the last week of the regular season and then lose in the sec championship game so 11 and 2 is far from bad but if you want to talk about imploding, sitting there at 11-0, and 0, perhaps, and then losing the last two games of the season and, and sort of having a completely different end than you first imagined, I think that could, in a pinch, fit your definition of implode, especially by Alabama standards. I was worried you were going to do that. Well, it was yeah. a good question, and there wasn't a lot of room to operate, so that's what I did. What'd you do? I was worried you were going to do that, but I'm also shocked you didn't say Notre Dame. Because of an, I mean, they, they fit to the teen argument that you've made this summer. Lower returning production. Like, not bad in most years, but I think it's somewhere, I don't have a pull up in front of me anymore. It's like in the mid 50s or high 50s. Like, in most years, that's not bad, especially for a team that was that good in relative to expectations. But low returning production compared to other teams. That stretch of they have Wisconsin, Cincinnati, at Virginia Tech. Versus USC so many good teams versus North schedule. Carolina. And we have yeah. a Notre Dame specific question later on here, but I think in terms I think they're the worst team in the top ten. So they're number nine sure. in the AP. Yes. Agreed. They're number seven in the coaches poll. North Carolina is a better team than them. Oregon is a better team than them. Wisconsin's a better team than them. Going to the coaches poll. Iowa State below Notre Dame is just asinine. Iowa State is just a way better. You put them on a neutral site. What's the line for that game? Neutral site, Iowa State, Notre Dame. Iowa State five. Yeah, Six. I was going to say four and a half. Yeah. And like their schedule isn't particularly terrifying, but I just read off five games in a row. Like, I don't know if they're going to lose in Blacksburg. And you and I are both very low on Virginia Tech, like always, especially this year, that I still don't think you can just write that off as a auto win for Notre Dame or even like a seven or eight point win. I should go see what the line is. But I think Notre Dame is the most likely to implode. I could, I mean, you mentioned it's hard to see a seven and five. I could see a seven and five here. Granted, that's dropping almost all of these games that they could drop, and then you're also plucking one or two maybe that they should and that they maybe could, etc. So I, I think that Notre Dame is probably the answer here. Staying with Virginia Tech, you had put this one on here: the first coach to be fired. I'm inclined to say Justin Fuente because I think wow. they lose. I think they lose to North Carolina. I think they lose to West Virginia. I think they lose to Notre Dame. So I think you're probably going to be 2-3 and mid-October, and maybe they drop one they shouldn't after that. But I think it's Dino Babers has gone first. I'm pretty confident both these guys will not be back in 2022, but I think if you're asking which coach is going to be fired first, I think it's Babers because of the schedule, and it's not that hard of a first half for Syracuse which is the problem because Babers and Syracuse, their team is so bad that they're going to struggle against a lot of mediocre teams that like, I don't think people realize that 
Ohio doesn't suck. Especially with Frank Solich gone, like, Ohio isn't a bad team right now. I don't think people realize how good Liberty is. I mean, Liberty is, like, a fringe top 25-ish team. And even though Hugh Freeze with that buzz, I think Liberty gets more attention than they had in the past. But I don't think people still realize that some of these teams on their schedule that don't look great are actually not that bad. Can that I being can said, I give you one more on the on the Syracuse yeah. schedule front? Albany, you're gonna go to Albany. Your boy Albany, Blue. Albany's an FCS playoff team. Do we go Albany or Albany? I say Is Albany. I, I think it's Albany. Yeah, but you they're know, whatever. a better team than Albany, right? Right, but. That, that's, that's the not, point. That's not one I want to be. Uh, that's not a game I want to have close in the fourth quarter if I'm Syracuse, because you, you could come out on the wrong side of that. And anyways, the point a, being, probably is an like, auto fire. Their schedule is friendly. Like if if they are not, if they don't suck this year, there are a lot of wins in September into early October, and then they get Clemson like mid to late October. So like there are wins here for Babers to secure another year or two. I just don't think Syracuse is very good, so I think Babers has gone first. Uh, I went totally different than you, actually, I, and I think Babers is a great call. I thought the low-hanging fruit, given the news right now, was Scott Frost. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't but know. I actually went Doug Martin, so I went way off the board. God, it's it, like dude, that like feels kicking, like it's beyond it's, like, its expiration date. It's I like mean, kicking a puppy that has like a bum leg all right but just like leave him alone i i get it but it's beyond its expiration date and it's, it's not going to last very long at this point i mean that's a tough read for me i know dennis dodd who i trust quite a bit especially in terms of like coaching stuff he put i think he like gave a, a ranking to every single coach like a scale of one to five of totally safe would never be fired up to five or six that said needs to win or get out and i think doug martin was like surprisingly not that high on that list which surprised me quite a bit because like they've been so bad the last few years They're so bad they had that really good year what was that 17 or 18 where they got to their first bowl game in a billion years but i don't I know they've what... won three games since then yeah i don't know what you do at new mexico state so like i i don't i don't disagree with your call i just don't know who you could possibly hire right. where you wake up and say hey we feel a lot better today than we do with right. martin as head yes and that's that would be the argument against my answer yeah. yeah this one is also along those lines which p5 program are you most certain will have a new coach in 2022 i already hinted at it if you had to make me pick i would say syracuse but i think virginia tech is also right there uh i think i think clay helton is in the mix as well and i've generally been a helton defender but i think when you look more, the closer we get to the season, the more I think that the Pac-12 South is going to be really chaotic. And I mean, I, I think they're they're going to suffer some losses here, and they're just they're just going to want to make a change. Uh, and, and that's I like Clay Helton. I think he's a good coach. I would keep him, but I, it's just a different it's a different scenario over there when you're in the chair in LA. So I, I suspect this is his last year, unless something magical happens, and I don't see that. I mentioned in the open that we're going to go off the map, but the one that we have on here that's kind of mainstream, what are your playoff predictions? This was the hardest question for me. Because we've spent all summer, or certainly the last month or so, going through all this college stuff and, and all the different angles and all the paths and everything. I struggled with this. What I ended up coming up with was 
Uh, not to step on a question from later, but my first two are Georgia and Clemson, and then I have Iowa State, Ohio State. It's it's a hard question because, I mean, it's almost like after you reveal the March Madness bracket and you have all the analysts on CBS that are moving all the one seeds into the Final Four. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, they have a point. I mean, they're the best team, so right. are you really going to pick against them? But history says that's not going to happen. It's like... As much as I want to see different things happen in the playoff, when you actually sit down to do this, like, are you going to bet against Ohio State? Are you going to bet against Clemson? I know you're betting against Alabama, but that's why I'm looking forward to playoff expansion because it just gives you an opportunity for a lot of different scenarios as opposed to, like, my teams are Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and Oregon, mostly because it just feels too easy in the Big 12 right now. I don't know if that's like a fair reason at all, but we I think I'd ask you that question on the Futures episode, or the Big 12 episode maybe, how the odds say that Oklahoma and Iowa State are just so far above the Big 12. And we generally agreed that like that is the breakdown in the books and on the field. But I'm just skeptical because college football is not that easy. Even though we generally are able to predict like the high-end teams in each conference each year, it just feels too easy in a conference in which we don't know like who teams three through eight are. So I'm I'm just very skeptical that it's actually that easy in the Big 12. So if I, just, I don't really want, if you had to make me bet on it, I don't know if I really want to bet on the Big 12. And I've mentioned how high I am on Oregon, how much I like how their schedule sets up, even though we could see some chaos, especially in the Pac-12 South. I just don't think there's that much in the Pac-12 North, and I really like the opportunity for Oregon to still lose at Ohio State and run the table there. So I think it will be Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, and Oregon. Let, but... Can I can I push back on you for a second? No. So you think you, – you see the Big 12 as chaotic, and, and so that is a reason to stay away because you don't know three through eight. And I totally get that. That's fair. Who's two through five in the Pac-12 North? Two through five in the Pac-12 North, off yeah. the top of my head, wouldn't that wouldn't that be like roughly the same thing? That's a really good question. I don't even know how to answer it. Yeah, I I, I could give you the. I mean, I know you're not like actually asking me to rank no. the teams two through five, no. but I'm or, trying or to figure out a way to a- answer your question that defends. Yeah, my answer. Wh- why? What about the Pac-12 North and that uncertainty is different than the Big 12's middle class uncertainty? I guess is the actual question I'm asking. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Thanks. Anyways, Ohio State, Clemson, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oregon. Yeah. What's your favorite win total bet right now? We've talked about so many win total right. bets. You mentioned you're going to tweet out all your positions. Maybe we'll even go through that on Thursday's episode, uh, all the positions that we've taken so far and ones that we plan to take before week zero, week, week one kicks off. What is your favorite win total bet right now? Yeah, so obviously we just ran through a ton over the last several weeks. So to answer this question, I picked one that we actually just got new information on. I was already a fan of the South Carolina under. And it's under 3.5 plus 135 as of right now. And the meta on this bet is basically, uh, if you're assuming that they're not going to beat any SEC teams other than Vanderbilt, which is a pretty good assumption. Uh, then you're you're basically getting a free roll at whether or not they're going to lose one of those four games. And they're playing an, SEC, uh, an FCS school. I think it's Eastern Illinois. That's a win. 
Uh, they're playing, I think, at East Carolina, Troy at home, and then Vanderbilt at home. So will so they you lose? No, you have no confidence in their quarterback play. I have absolutely saying. no confidence in their quarterback play, and it's because— Just get to the point. I knew where you were right. going. Just the, get to the point. All right, the point is their expected starter is hurt. We don't know how much time he's going to miss. It's been framed as he won't miss the whole season, so I'm guessing he's not playing week one uh, or probably September, if I had to guess. They have a grad assistant who came over from North Dakota State. His name is Zeb Noland, and he's kind of been propped up at the media the last few days as the guy who backed up Trey Lance. Well, that's, I guess, technically true, but he played one season. It was this weird spring season we just did. He was really bad. He got benched for a freshman, all right? Now he comes over to South Carolina as a grad assistant, and in order to, like, inject some energy into the quarterback competition, because this guy has an extra year of eligibility because of the COVID stuff, they have taken him from being a grad assistant and actually put him onto the roster and could see snaps as the potential QB, QB2, really, but temporarily the QB1 because the real QB1's hurt. So you've got a guy who was not good enough to be an FCS starter who might start for an SEC team. Like, if it's that bad, and this is not an indictment of Shane Beamer, by the way. Like, this is totally before him is, is where the roster got messed up. So I'm not taking shots at Shane Beamer. It's just the state of the roster. That's pretty bad, man. That's a very bad situation. And I'm feeling very confident, more confident even than a couple weeks ago about this under three and a half for South Carolina. Yeah, I saw you had a little mini meltdown on Twitter about that tweet of bringing in or starting Nolan or whatever the context was of Beamer saying not enough people are talking about this guy or something like that. So I was waiting for you to bring it up on one of these shows. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of shocking. It's one of the more shocking stories I can remember that you would take a GA who we're not talking about at some point in his career got benched for an FCS freshman. It was three months ago. <laughs> it was literally three months ago. So I don't see that as a viable option. Uh, and it's it, it feels like it's really bad. I don't mean to beat a dead horse here. It's but, like uh, signing. Yeah. It's like having Josh Rosen as like a special assistant in whatever team. And then your quarterback gets hurt. You pull Josh Rosen on the 53-man roster and say, you know what? I think he could play. <laughs> and then he ends up starting. It's it's not great. What's that number? Three and a half, South three, Carolina? Three and a half. My favorite win total is bad. I actually have three that I I don't know if I like one more than the other. North Carolina over nine and a half. Oregon over nine. Nebraska under six and a half. The Nebraska news of the last week and a half has only made me feel better about that. I think it could be a really bad season for them. I know that you think they're going to win the West, but I don't see them winning seven games. You think I, I think Nebraska's going to win the West? When did that happen? You made the argument a couple weeks ago. I I think it was more of a devil's advocate argument than a real argument. I don't think they're going to win the West. What's your favorite non-win total futures bet? Yeah, so I'm being loose with the word favorite here because I don't think it's the best bet. But I think it is going to be my personal favorite uh, for reasons that will become clear. I kind of like Cincinnati to make the playoffs at plus eleven hundred. All right. So first of all, if you're giving me a, if you're giving me eleven to one odds, that's pretty good return. I'm going to take a shot on it. So that's number one. Number two, that's just a fun thing to root for. And Damn right it is. sometimes you want to have a bet like you don't hate yourself. Like 
I, I saw somebody was taking like UConn over two and a half wins for the season. I'm like, why are you doing that to yourself, man? Like, I, I just have, and I like to think of myself as a pretty sharp better, but that's, it's just too many of those makes the process so not fun. And true, true pros will tell you, hey, it's not about fun. It's about making money. Fine. I get that. But it, I, I just enjoy a bet like this that I think I can make the case is a good bet, but also it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to root for Cincinnati. Really quickly, we just talked about this one, I think, in the Futures episode. Uh, my favorite one is North Carolina plus 130 to win the Coastal. Along those lines, also Oregon minus 110 to win the North. You're not as high in Oregon as I am, but I think that you agree with me that that number seems a little bit off, but not to the point where you're concerned about it, right? You were on board with Oregon minus 110 to win the North. Yeah, I thought that was a, think, a good yeah. pick, definitely. Yeah. I, I I think that's a better bet than the the win total for Oregon. Just, yeah. man, there are a lot of people that like that win total, and it just it makes me a little nervous when the whole world is on something. Because, I mean, hey, I could be wrong, and it does seem very unlikely that Oregon would go eight and four, but I mean, everybody is on that Oregon ticket. This is the only team-specific question we have on here. And this is one that you put on. Notre Dame's win total is eight and a half. Over eight and a half is minus one thirty. Under eight and a half is plus one ten. A, why did you put it on here? And B, which side are you taking? Well, I put it on here because it occurred to me that I don't think we ever talked about Notre Dame. No. So. Now, I mean, pretty simple reason. Uh, I lean toward the over here, and I wanted to save a little bit of my talking points when we were talking about them earlier for this particular conversation. When you look at Notre Dame's schedule, it is intimidating, but it's a different kind of intimidating. Like, if you look at Alabama's schedule, like, there are a lot of good teams on it, especially early. Like, the first five or six weeks of the season, you know, they got to play... Uh, they got to play Miami. They got to play Florida. They got to play Ole Miss. They got to go to College Station. Like, it's intimidating in that top level way. Notre Dame's is kind of intimidating that they don't get any weeks off. Like, I just rattled off Alabama's, but four games that are tough in the first seven weeks or whatever. But they also play, you know, like Mercer and Kent State. And it just feels like Notre Dame every single week. Like, they play Toledo week two or week three, and it's in South Bend, and you go, okay, well, it's Toledo. Toledo's pretty good, man. Like, and, and that's your, like, easy games. I mean, that's it's just week after week, it's like there's no easy games. But I think at a certain point, when we're 10 years into this, you trust Brian Kelly that he's going to win more games than he's going to lose. And even and I, I wonder, actually, if there's a little bit of value in – kind of the zag here which is yes the schedule is tough but they're still probably going to be favored to win most of these games and i think they will win most of these games so my lean this is definitely not a play for me but i would lean slightly with the over eight and a half even though uh, it's minus 130 i agree 100 percent of stay away if i had to take a side i'm also taking the over a lot of things you alluded to there isn't an auto loss here like i sure they could lose to wisconsin cincinnati uh, USC, USC North Carolina is on there, yeah. but like there isn't an auto loss here for a number that isn't like that big. I mean, this if they went ten and two, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like I said, I think that they're the most likely top ten team to implode, but because that's a really hard question and because that doesn't happen very often, I still think I would take the over on. I think that the, the people that are on this at minus one thirty are probably right. I just don't think I'd want to be holding a Notre Dame 8-4 and four ticket. It feels like 
after that bad year, whatever, 17 or 18, when Brian Kelly kind of revamped his staff, calmed down a little bit, admitted a lot of faults, he took a big step to avoiding seasons that are 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and 8-4. So I think if I had to take a side, I'm taking the over uh, on this. A uh, couple, a few playoff questions. What will be the playoff debate that everybody is having during the final couple weeks of the season? Yeah, I thought this was an interesting question to include, but I also think it, it's a predictable answer. I think it's the same debate we always have, which is, is it most deserving or is it best? And, and, and I think until we get clarity uh, from the playoff committee, because this is a committee-created problem. When we created this thing, like, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago, and they said, we're taking the best four teams they created an environment where we're going to constantly have to debate what that means. So I think it's going to be the same thing we're always arguing about. It's just going to be slightly different nuances and maybe different team names. But I think the overall argument will still be the same. Yeah, I think the I agree with you. I think if we're going to have like a, a more granular, granular discussion about this, I really hope it's Cincinnati. Like I hope that we're having that debate because that means Cincinnati is 9-0, 10-0, 11-0. Um, I hope it's that. I also think it it probably will be would a one loss Big Twelve champ get in because I think it's highly likely we're going to have ten and O Oklahoma versus ten and O Iowa State when they play on November twentieth. Then you're saying does can the loser of that game make the Big Twelve championship and then beat that team? So if Iowa State loses in Norman November twentieth, if they were to beat Oklahoma, can a one loss Big Twelve champ get in? I think that could be a discussion that we're probably having again. I. I really hope we're talking about Cincinnati. Another playoff question here is, if I tell you that a first-time playoff team will make the field in 2021, who is it going to be? Is your answer also Cincinnati for this one? No, I think it's Iowa State because I, I, I trust that the, like if I have to pick one, I trust that Iowa State has the larger margin of error given that they have that that power five uh, margin of error, I, I guess you would say. I, I think they can lose to Oklahoma and then still come back and win and have a very viable chance in the playoff versus Cincinnati, you're basically asking them to be perfect. You're asking them to beat Indiana. You're asking them to beat Notre Dame. You're asking them to run the table in the American and then win the conference championship. And then even then, they still probably need a couple things to go their way. So uh, do I do I like Cincinnati to get there? Sure, I think they're good enough. Do I think Desmond Ritter could win the Heisman? Sure. Uh, do I think that the 11-1 to ticket's good? Yes, all of those things. But also... I'm recognizing how how challenging it is for a team like Cincinnati to do something that's never been done, which is to have a non-Power 5 team in the playoff. I think this might be the easiest question we have on here because there just aren't that many teams that fit into this bucket. I think it's really a debate between Cincinnati, North Carolina, and Iowa State. If I had to pick one, I agree with you, Iowa State, for everything you just laid out, so we can move on. Last playoff question. In the final playoff rankings... Who are going to be the top ranked, top three ranked G5 teams in order? Cincinnati one, Louisiana two, Toledo three. I was hoping you would join me with Nevada at three. I have Cincinnati one, Louisiana two. I like how that schedule sets up for Louisiana. I think they're slightly a better team than Coastal, so I think they're going to win the Sun Belt. I don't get the Toledo hype that you're pushing, really. Well, there's way more losses in the Mountain West than there are in the MAC, so I think that's part of it. Who's going to be the Big Twelve Coach of the Year? 
Uh, I'll go back to my Kansas State earlier and say Chris Kleiman. Because I don't think it's going to be one of the top two guys. I think it's going to be whoever is the third place team. I think it's more of a question like what is more likely. If Iowa State makes the playoff, it's Matt Campbell, right? I mean, that's not even that's not even debatable. When, when do they that? vote on that stuff? I don't know. I think it, it would depend on that. Do you agree with me, though, that if that wasn't a consideration, Matt Campbell would I win would, it? I would think it would be Matt Campbell, yeah. yes. So I think it's like a question of is that more likely than – like West Virginia going nine and three or ten and two and Neil Brown winning, or like Texas being more than competent going nine and three and Steve Sarkeesian winning. Like if I had to bet on it, I would say Campbell. Now I'm wondering when that's actually voted upon. I, I just don't know who else to pick to have a better than expected season. I think there's an argument for almost anybody in this conference. That's why I wanted to ask this question because it's completely wide open. If I had to bet it would be Matt Campbell. This is kind of a hard one to follow, so I'm going to go slowly. Who is the most likely conference champion from this group? And I picked these teams, one from each conference, because they're all in the ballpark of plus 1,000 in odds. There is one exception that's up there. Who's the most likely conference champion? UCLA, Iowa, Miami, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Houston, Houston, Kent State, FAU, San Diego State, or Troy? Troy is the exception. Almost everybody else is somewhere between like 800 and 1,200 in their conference odds. Troy is 2,000. Again, UCLA, Iowa, Miami, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, Houston, Kent State, FAU, San Diego State, or Troy. Who is the most likely team to win their conference? I think it's either FAU or UCLA, and I'm leaning towards FAU. Uh the reason I, I lean toward UCLA, it's documented that I like UCLA this year. I think they could win a chaotic South, but can they win the conference championship? And that that's kind of what a lot of these come down to. Like, yes, Iowa could win the West, but do you really think they're winning the Big Ten title game? Yes, Miami could win what is basically a one-off game in Chapel Hill against North Carolina and then win the Coastal. But are they going to beat Clemson? And, and that's kind of how a lot of these break down. I think the FAU win, I get that the odds are similar, but I think there's less of a massive boulder in their way. So I think I lean toward that. Uh, I think a lot of these other ones are just, I mean, Troy, it, it, you know, closer to plus 2,000. I don't see it. The sunbound is really good. That there's no way, there's no oxygen left at the top of that. For I almost just left them out because yeah, the I third mean, team in that is App State at 400. Which honestly, I don't even know if I would take App. State I wouldn't take App State. Team. Yeah, right. That's why I wanted to like go a little bit farther, but I kind of wish I had put App State in there for the. We've already we've already you know well documented how much we like Coastal and Louisiana this year, yeah. but I think including App State might have been interesting to show, even though they're at 400. I still probably would have taken some of these other teams. Who you got? I'm taking I'm taking Kent State. Ooh, interesting. I said on the G5 episode, I think the MAC is just wide open. I think there are a lot of like fairly good teams, but I'm not. Let's just caveat here, disclaimer. I'm not picking Kent State to go down to Texas A&M and win. But I think well, thanks when for they, clearing that up. When <laughs> when they go down to Texas A&M, they're going to score some points. This team is good as hell. You know who's going to score some points this year. They're going to win the match. You know who's going to score some points this year? Toledo. I don't like this question, but you put it in there and I was just being nice. What would be the three best conference divisions this year? 
Yeah, I'll tell you why this is not a great question because the first two are obvious, right? It's the same as always. Now why'd you put it in here? Then? It's the SEC West and the Big Ten East, right? I mean, it's the same as always. So what's really what I think what the question is, which is a very interesting question, is what's the third best division in college football? But it's football not that interesting because we just we don't have that many divisions across college football. It's so like you're you're really only debating a few different divisions for this spot. I think it's more interesting than you think. What do you think? I think it's the SEC East, and I don't I don't really even need to have a discussion about it. I don't care if you disagree. I just don't like the question. Sunbelt East. <laughs> what's your answer? Uh, I actually think there's an argument to make that it might be the Coastal, which is funny because yeah. the Coastal has been just a punchline for so many years. But they're going to have two legit top ten teams this year. And, you know, I think past that, like, you've got a whole lot of meh. I mean, I think UVA could be okay. I think Tech could be okay. I think Georgia Tech could be okay. Uh, but if you're talking about the fourth best team being six and six, seven and five, I mean that's a decent that's a decent uh, division if you've got two top on. ten teams. This question sucks. I kind of wish I had taken it out. Mm. You had some good questions in here, but this one was trash. All right, what's next? Are there zero stakes in the Clemson Georgia game? And you wrote this implying that I think you said like change my mind that there are actually stakes in here. Yeah, th- do, I don't think do you there truly any, believe that. I don't think there there are any big picture stakes to this game. No, I don't. I'm sure there's going to be recruits on the sideline and like well, so obviously, but I'm talking about big picture stakes for this game. I'm not convinced that there really are any. See, this just feels like something that like that somebody wants to say, but it's not actually true. It feels like something that I would say, and then you're like, well, if you look at the math of it, you know, margin for error. I mean, bottom line is okay. you're wrong. There so, are stakes here. Like there are margin for error. Let stakes. me let me put it this way. If Georgia beats Clemson, can Clemson still make the playoff? Well, yes, but it still changes. I mean, you if, can't say there are zero stakes. If Clemson beats Georgia, can Georgia still make the playoff? You're, you're asking questions that you think you, that you, well, you do know the answer to. But... I'm, I might even put it this way. Can't can't you envision the team that loses this game? God, let's move on. Using it in- as an argument in their favor why they should be in the playoff. Like, oh, played Clemson real close in that loss. I don't care. There there are margin for error discussions here. Like, you can't say there are zero stakes. I think the stakes are much, much, much lower than they will be hyped as because it's well, this big September game. Of course, this is the biggest non-conference game. Of course, like. It's going to be hyped up. It's a novelty game that we haven't had in a long time. Of course, it's going to be hyped up. I agree with you that the stakes will be hyped up more than they actually are, but you can't say that there are zero stakes. I, I think big picture, I don't see. Anyways, I don't see any what, stakes in this game. All right, what's going to be the most shocking week one upset? And tell me why you agree with me that it will be Florida State over Notre Dame. Uh, interesting pick. I don't agree with you that it will be Florida State over Notre Dame. I'm not sure I agree that Florida State will win that game at all. I think it's going to be UCLA over LSU. Is it that shocking? Vegas doesn't think so, but I think a lot of other people will. I, I think the number on that seven, four and a half. Holy yeah, right. It's kind of smelly. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree with that pick. I just don't think it'd be that shocking. So maybe I went too far by saying. I mean, Florida State isn't good. Like that's why I think this would be extremely shocking. But a lot of new guys from Notre Dame, a new quarterback who's played in. I don't know if this is. Like a big game, but I I guess it kind of is. A new quarterback who's played in big games before, Jack Cohn, but hasn't really played well in big spots. I mean, you go back to that 2019 season at Wisconsin, ton of big games against Ohio State twice. Uh, Minnesota was really the only 
bigger game that he played well in. So I just, I don't know if this, I don't know if I'm going to take Florida State. I think the number is eight and a half or nine. But I think in terms of shock, this is up there. Maybe I'm just reaching. I get what you're seeing. I, I think it's a no bet for me for a couple reasons. One of which is, I think that number's come down a lot. I think it, it might have opened to like 13 and a half. Yeah, I think it might have. I might be thinking of something else. I did a bunch of gambling this morning. I capped the hell out of the whole morning. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I'm not ready to... S- Florida State's been so bad in these opening games for a couple years now that it, it just feels like I'm not willing to do it. Uh, I want to see it before I bet on it. Another week one here. What is your favorite week one bet right now? I've talked up for several weeks now. Louisiana plus the nine and a half over Texas. Damn. I think Louisiana can win that one outright, so it's a great bet. But let me let me give you an, another one that I'm a little later to that I haven't talked about yet. I really like San Jose State catching 16 at USC. Yeah. That's a lot of points. It's a good game, and you know that they're going to be up to play a big boy California school because a lot of those guys probably got ignored by USC and UCLA and, and Cal and like all these big-time Pac-12 schools that are in the area. So I think, uh, I'm not saying that USC is going to lose that game or anything, though they could, uh, but 16 points feels like a lot of points to give me. So I really like that one. Yep, it's actually the one that I got. I, I know that I've talked up Nevada and Boise State will just be Boise State, but that doesn't mean I think we can completely ignore San Jose State. I don't think they're going to be a bad team this year. I just don't know if they're going to be what they were last year. I think their expectations might be unreasonable for San Jose State, but I like that number a lot. I also like Wisconsin four and a half. I think... I'm on Wisconsin four and a half bet that this morning. Yep. Yeah, I think Penn State is just getting too much bounce back credit. Like, I don't think they're what we saw last year necessarily, but I also don't think that they deserve the benefit of the doubt after that. Winning the Final Four just didn't do that much for me in that season. New coordinator. Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin usually plays well in spots like this. Uh, I'm really optimistic that Paul Chris calling the plays can can move this forward. I like Wisconsin to win by a lot of the numbers don't support this. Like Wisconsin, not a great ATS team at home. Penn State's been one of the one of the better ATS teams the last four or five years. This is more about football than the numbers for me. I mean, you talk so much about your football brain battling your betting brain. The football brain won for me here. I like Wisconsin at four and a half. The last question uh, we have for you, last prediction. Not really a prediction, I guess. What is the game of the year? Yeah, well, no, it's kind of a prediction. What do you think is going to be the best game of the year? Best game of the year? Like, what is what is the question here? Highest stakes, best game? No, just the, the best game. You know, what what is Sports Center that on Saturday night says we might have had the game of the year in college football this year? It was an awesome game, best game of the year so far. What do you think it is? What do you think it's gonna? Uh, be? See, I, I didn't really answer it that way. I almost well, give it to me how you answered it. I cheated and kind of. I get why I have two games. More so, like the most important games, and it's Cincinnati at Indiana and Cincinnati at Notre Dame because. As I've said so much, Cincinnati has the best chance of any team to make any G5 team to make the playoff of these, what are we, eight years in now? So I think these are like two of the most important. Obviously, if they lose, they won't be important. But if we can get both these games for Cincinnati, I think those will prove to be two of the most important games in college football over the last, I don't know, 20 or 25 years. Will they be the best games? I don't know. Like, I don't know if Cincinnati and Notre Dame will be the best game. I could see it being like a 27-21-ish game. But I think in terms of like the biggest, most important games, those two will be it. So I also put Cincinnati at Notre Dame. And it's it's not just about the stakes for me. It's not just about the fact that the previous week they both play 
another big ranked game. I think Notre Dame's at Wisconsin and Cincinnati's at Indiana. So if they both win that and they're still undefeated, now you're talking about probably a top five game. Uh, it's, it's just all of the little things, like a, a thing that I'm sure is going to get brought up when we get closer to this game, but probably nobody is thinking about right now. This is the Brian Kelly game, right? Before he was at Notre Dame, he was the head coach at Cincinnati. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, do you, do you actually care about that though? I mean, no. But I think when you add up a lot of those little flourishes, it just makes an interesting game. Like I think this is a fucking lock to be game day, right? Like the, just the stakes, yeah. the number of features they can do is out of control. It's it seems like it's going to be maybe the best game of the year, and I'm really excited for it. All right, we're back on Thursday for Week Zero betting, looking at those five games, maybe circle back in any last-minute futures. Like I said, maybe we'll kind of just talk about what positions we've takes, uh, taken so far. Uh, most likely breaking down every line for Week Zero, though. That'll be the meat of that episode. Check out those lines on BetMGM.com, the BetMGM Sportsbook app. Ping us before then with any questions on Twitter, at HighMotorPod, mailbag questions, anything else at High Motor Pod on Twitter. Thank you for listening to High Motor by BetMGM. We'll be back on Thursday. That's August 26th.